Now, the thing that's scary is that the $295,000 figure you just mentioned, guess what? It doesn't take long-term care into consideration. So, you know, that can be quite costly in retirement. Puzzles go by a lot of names. Jigsaws, crosswords, sudokus, brain teasers, brain bashers, brain knitters, knotters, and bocklers. You get the idea. On this show, we deal with financial puzzles. Your host is Money and Clarity Certified Financial Planner, Nikki Early. It's time for the show. Let's put the pieces together. Welcome once again to the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Nikki Early, certified financial planner and partner with Money and Clarity, serving you in the Cincinnati and surrounding areas. Find us online at moneyandclarity.com. Nikki, happy 2021 to you, our first podcast of the new year. I know, it's crazy. How long does it usually take you each year to start writing the proper date on all of your files? A month, probably. A, a good month. And then yeah. and then you just are getting used to writing January, and then you've got to switch to February, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, we, we deal with a lot of labeling of files, and we always label them by you know year, month, day, and then whatever the file name is, pretty much our whole like saving structure. And uh, oh, the year transition is so maddening because when you mess it up, it goes to the top of the list of all the files from the previous year because you're writing like January 2nd of you know, 2020. So now it gets buried behind all of these other files and you got to go hunt and find it. Where did that thing go? You know, so it's... Yeah, good luck finding that, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think this is the uh, true definition of a first world problem, however. So we, 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 won't, we won't be bothered <laughs> by it too much. Uh, yeah, a lot has been going on, certainly in the news. I'm not even going to really say specifics because who knows what will happen tomorrow between <laughs> when we I record know. this and it gets released, Nikki. But uh, have you had a lot of clients? I'm just curious before we dive into the topic today, nervous about things that have happened here at the beginning of 21 as 2020 wrapped up and as we head into this new year? What's kind of the sentiment that you're hearing from clients and their investments and uh, their outlook on the year? You know, I feel like I've said this before, but... Dan has always done such a good job of educating our clients. And when he brought me on, you know, taught me to do the same thing. We send out a lot of communications, a lot of videos um, topically when things are going on that are tumultuous or that could be concerning to others. So really, I am always surprised when things like this happen and our phone isn't ringing. So I just think we get in front of things and we also educate our clients. So there's not a lot of or I guess you'd say backlash when things like this happen. Well, that is, uh, yeah, lack of backlash is certainly <laughs> a good thing when something like this goes on. And uh, that's good to hear that everybody's kind of approaching it maybe with a, a level head from an investing standpoint among you and your clients. Well, very good. I'm sure we'll have much more to discuss as we progress through the year when it comes to news items. But on today's show, we want to focus on five important retirement statistics that are worth your time, that are worth understanding. And I know sometimes numbers and figures, Nikki, and stats, they can go in one ear and out the other ear, whether you're an engineer or not, probably the delineation <laughs> between who gets yeah. excited by these kinds of things. Uh, but I think on today's episode, it's going to be good. We're going to break down five important statistics, take a moment to understand these, and we're going to break them down so it's very easy. You're not going to get lost in the minutia of the numbers. We're going to really talk about what these numbers tell us about retirement in America, and more specifically, maybe things that are going on in your own retirement or financial situation. So here's our first stat, Nikki. Only 17% of American workers describe themselves as very confident 
that they'll have enough money in retirement. Only 17% of Americans have confidence. Yeah, so that's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, I (laughs) I would say that's lower than ideal, right? Yeah. Well, I think I would say uncertainty has to be a big reason why that number is so low. There are so many things that are uncertain to us about retiring and what's going to happen during retirement. Quite frankly, a lot of them are out of our control. And, you know, I guess one of the first things that comes to mind is our health, right? We have no idea what's going to happen to us as far as developing a chronic disease or whether our spouse or loved ones are going to be sick. And certainly that can affect your financial well-being in retirement. So that's, you know, one thing that I think is an unknown, if you will. Another thing is the markets. We really have no control over what the markets are doing. And fortunately or unfortunately, we're relying on our portfolio to provide us income above and beyond Social Security or pensions. So if we're having a very tumultuous time in the markets and we're still having to pull money out of our portfolios, that can be a little unnerving too as far as, you know, are we going to have enough money at the end or are we going to run out of money before we die? I think that's a big concern of others. Now, the economy itself has always been a big concern, but maybe now even more so with the impact of the coronavirus and the stimulus packages in Congress, what they're going to do to future taxes is a concern, whether or not some of the social programs like Medicare and Social Security are going to be around or be what they are today for us when we retire. So all of those are, you know, just uncertainties that we really can't necessarily control, if you will. Now, one of the biggest uncertainties I see is people who haven't done financial planning. So if you haven't done any financial planning, and you're really just guessing at whether I have enough or whether I'm going to run out of money when I die, then that's certainly an uncertainty as well. What you can do, though, you know, and part of this is not only, you know, why are these statistics important, but what we can do about them. So certainly developing a financial plan is very important. One that's going to cover all the things I just talked about and more, but it's going to talk about taxes. It's going to talk about health care. It's going to talk about market fluctuations. And the plan will actually address all of that so that you can have a little bit of peace of mind, a little bit more confidence. Now, I would say out of that 17% that you said, you know, are very confident about their retirement and the fact that they're not going to run out of money, that they have enough money, that most of those people probably have a comprehensive written plan. So as we go through these statistics, I'll try and uh, recap sometimes with, you know, these are lots of problems that are going to be brought up in these statistics. So solution number one to problem number one is is accounting for and alleviating concerns over uncertainty. That's what's leading to so many people not feeling confident. So to counteract lack of confidence, we need to address the uncertainty that's in the room. Doesn't mean we can eliminate it, but we can address it, right? Absolutely. And I think there probably is always going to lead back to a plan and addressing the uncertainties. <laughs> it always does, right? Yeah. Yes, it, yes. There's no magic in the show, right? It's uh, no. it, it all revolves back to having that plan in place. But sometimes it's good to unpack the, the way that we get there. And I think these statistics help us do that. Okay, another cool one here for you, Nikki. Uh, the average 65-year-old woman, average 65-year-old woman, has a life expectancy of 20.7 more years. Now, actually, I looked at this stat recently. That's the updated number. It used to be 20 flat. 
So already, just in like the last two or three years, that life expectancy has started to creep up even more. You know, and I've seen that the average woman that reaches 65 actually lives until 89. So that's 24 years. Oh, there you go. So, I, yeah, d- but Depends you know, on the study, I suppose. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, it depends <laughs> on where you're reading from. Either way, that's a big number, right? So that's a lot of years to fund in retirement. So that means as a woman, and I'm going to say we because I'm a woman, that we have to save more in order to cover living expenses for a longer period of time. And then you also have to take into consideration if you're living longer that the likelihood of your health care expenses being higher is, is there as well. So that's one of the things I think about when we talk about a 65-year-old woman living 20 or 24 years, whatever it may be. Another problem that women face in retirement and the fact that we live longer is that um, a lot of times we outlive our spouses. So not only do men tend to die sooner than women, but women tend to marry men that are older than them. So the average woman actually lives longer um, than her spouse by about 11 years. So that is impactful because of pensions and social security as far as income goes. So if your spouse, who happens to be a man, is um, had worked for a company that had a pension, let's say, and he didn't elect a spousal benefit, that means you lose that income when your spouse dies. Uh, likewise, with Social Security, you know, if both of you are receiving a check and one dies, you lose one of the checks. And I do want to kind of talk about that a little bit more because I think sometimes there's confusion around that. But so, Walter, just to for illustration, you and I are married, okay? <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. Okay. okay. Just don't tell our spouses, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So, you receive a check every month for $3,000, and I receive a check every month for two. Okay. If you die first, I'm going to kill you off, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I don't lose your check. I get to keep the higher one. So I do get to keep the higher check, which is good in itself. But if we needed the $5,000 worth of household income, regardless of there's one or two of us, you know, I'm losing two grand. So that in itself, um, you know, can be financially, I don't know, devastating, but certainly hurtful. The household income still goes down in that situation. Yeah. You get to keep the larger check, but... It's still less. It's a little Um, bit of a good news, bad news. Exactly, exactly. Another issue that's going to come up for women um, late in life is sometimes there's no one left to take care of them. So they've been taking care of maybe family members their whole lives, but when it comes time for them to need the care, you know, there's nobody there necessarily to take care of them. And if they have to go into an institution or a nursing home, then that can be costly as well. So there are certain things, again, that we can't change um, as a woman. I can't change the fact that I might live longer. Um, I might, you know, lose income if my spouse dies before me. And I certainly can't change the fact whether or not there's somebody there to take care of me. But when we are doing planning, going back to the whole planning thing, you certainly have to take these things into consideration. So First of all, we're going to encourage spouses to take the uh, spousal benefit in a pension situation so that if, you know, the male spouse who's been working and has the pension, they can certainly elect a survivorship benefit, Uh, meaning they're going to take less while they're alive, but when they die, their spouse is going to continue to get that benefit. Another thing is you can certainly look into life insurance or long-term care insurance to help, you know, Once your spouse dies, that can help alleviate some of the financial troubles that come along with um, losing a spouse in retirement. And then you want to make sure when you're doing planning that you're using um, 
life expectancies that, you know, are true to really what potentially might happen. So we tend to use the age 90 for women. Um, We'd rather be more conservative and have them live longer. Um, We always kind of joke about, you know, we don't want someone to have to die for their financial plan to work out. So, you know, using appropriate life expectancy rates is good too. All important things to consider. Again, we're solving for that longevity. Uh, That's the other big key that that stat reveals. The problem, we're living a long time, especially if you make it to 65. You're then expected to live many, many more years, over two decades more. How do we solve for living such a long time and the complications that come along with it? That's something else that needs to be addressed in your financial plan. As we go through the show today, if you're new to the program and new to learning about Money and Clarity and Nikki Early and Dan Caprill and the great team there, certified financial planners, and you want to talk a little bit more about how you get these things incorporated into your plan, because a lot of people have a quote-unquote plan put together, but it doesn't take into the things that we've talked about on today's show into account. And so if you want to talk a little bit more about that, you can always reach Nikki and the team at 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-PLAN and also moneyandclarity.com. And you'll find contact info and ways to get in touch in the description of today's show. Just check the show notes section wherever you're listening to the program. All right, another stat for you, Nikki, 16.5%. All right, so 16.5% of the country's population is over the age of 65. Obviously, this stat kind of playing off of that last one about the longevity of 65-year-olds. Well, I think... When you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is taxes. And the reason being is taxes and tax rates are very low right now historically. And you'll get where I'm going with this in a second, I promise. But they are very low. So right now, the top marginal tax bracket is 37%. And back in the 1940s, it was hovering right around 92%. And in the 70s, it was around 70%. And that's important because we are having this big demographic shift. So like you said, 16.5% of our population is older than 65. Well, that number is going to increase. We have all these baby boomers that are moving out of the workforce and turn, you know, becoming older. And so now they're not paying into Medicare and Social Security, but they're actually becoming recipients of it. So that in itself tells me that tax rates are going to have to go up just to cover those costs. But then we talk about the national debt, the recent stimulus, and I'm even more convinced that tax rates are going to have to go up. Now, why is this important to us in retirement? It's important to us in retirement because our whole lives, we've been taught to put money into tax-deferred accounts, whether it be traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, and 403bs. Put all the money in there, defer the tax, thinking that when we pull it out in retirement, uh, we'll likely be in a lower tax bracket. However, you know, what if that isn't the case? Well, what that means to us in retirement is that as we pull money out, we're going to have to pay more taxes for those withdrawals, and we're going to be left with less. Now, we can certainly take the attitude that taxes are out of our control, and they are, but there are certain things that we can do to help alleviate the situation. So if you're still working, you can certainly put money into a Roth IRA or the Roth portion of your 403B and 401k if your company offers it. Now, you're not going to get the deduction this year. However, that money is going to grow tax-free 
And then when you do pull it out in retirement, you're going to do so tax-free. Um, so you won't pay income taxes on that. And that also potentially is going to affect your Social Security benefits and whether or not those are taxed. Now, um, you can also do uh, Roth conversions, consider those, and that's where you actually take money that's already sitting in your traditional type accounts, and you move it over to a Roth account, and you pay the tax in any given year. Now, you don't have to do it all at once. You can certainly spread it out so that the tax implication in any given year is not um, so dramatic. But those are certainly steps that you can take if you truly believe, like I do, that tax rates have to go up. Yeah, uh, more and more of that population is getting into that 65 and older zone. I checked that number from a couple of years ago, and it was much less than the 16.5% of the country's population over the age of 65. So our population is definitely skewing older and older as more and more baby boomers are retiring, and I think that's going to continue for several more years. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch then the impact and the opportunity that uh, Congress sees to probably tax folks who are right. in that big bracket, who have spent a lifetime of saving money. That's going to be a juicy section for them to be able to uh, you know, get some money back on that on that national deficit. So going to be one to watch, certainly, over the coming years. Again, big problem. Taxes, solutions, yes, they exist. Uh, but right. you do have to be proactive about it. Uh, another statistic worth considering and understanding, the average retiree will spend $295,000 on out-of-pocket medical expenses over the course of their retirement. Now, this figure was more than 80000 lower just two to three years ago, Nikki. So now we're at almost 300000 on out-of-pocket medical expenses. And again, it depends on the study that you look at where this number comes out. But uh, very interesting to see that continuing to rise. That's a big chunk. Yeah. And, you know, the average inflation rate for just all goods and services period is right around 3%. And medical expenses is more like 6 So it's no wonder that that's, you know, rising so dramatically. Now, the thing that's scary is that the $295,000 figure you just mentioned, guess what? It doesn't take long-term care into consideration. So, you know, that can be quite costly in retirement. I do think there's a couple things, again, out of our control, but there's a couple things that you can certainly do to plan and hopefully alleviate some of those costs. One thing is the first, and when you are signing up for Medicare, it's really, really important that you do research as far as picking a supplement plan. And the decision should not be taken lightly. There's a whole industry of folks out there that specialize in this, and they will sit down with you. It doesn't cost you anything out of pocket. You know, I, I know they're getting paid some way on the back end with whatever carrier you choose, but they really are going to ask you important questions about your health, um, any chronic conditions you have, any illnesses, uh, any drugs that you're currently taking. Again, they're going to ask about illnesses in your family, if there are conditions you are likely to develop, and helping you really, really pinpoint a plan that works for you that's going to be the most cost-effective for you during retirement. The other big thing, of course, is the long-term care piece. You certainly have to have some sort of plan to address this. Now, there are lots of different plans, and it doesn't necessarily have to be going out and buying an expensive long-term care insurance policy. You know, that, that can be an option. And there are ways to make those policies more affordable. I run the numbers for people all the time, and I know they can be 
quite costly. But what you can do is consider limiting the coverage that you have. So a lot of times, you know, you'll see policies that cover you for 10 years, and those are very, very expensive. So that's 10 years worth of coverage if you were to get ill. But the likelihood of you needing 10 years worth of coverage is very, very small. In fact, most people, when they do go into a long-term care facility or a nursing home, they spend an average of three years. And unfortunately, Walter, why do you think that is? <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we keep getting these medical uh, improvements that keep us tagging along for a little while. Where those or we die. Right. right. <laughs> oh, no. So, no, typically what happens is you only need three years worth of coverage because you end up dying or you go home and, you're, you know, you're fine. But by, my point is that buying a uh, policy that covers you for a very long period of time is going to be expensive, and statistically, you're not going to use all of that coverage. So that can help lower the burden of the premium for you. So that's certainly a plan around long-term care. A, a second plan that you can do is um, self-insure. So if you've saved enough money in your lifetime and um, you feel confident that you're going to be able to write the check if you go into a long-term care facility, then that's certainly an option. Dan and I like to joke all the time that we're pretty sure Rose Kennedy um, wasn't worried about long-term health care. So another plan is that you spend down all your assets and you apply for Medicaid. And it's certainly a plan. And if you're single, it might not be a bad one. It's just unfortunate that if you're married, you know, and your spouse is having to write the check and watch your net worth dwindle down, you know, that can be a little disconcerting. But the whole point, again, going back to my theme, is you have to have some sort of a plan around the medical expenses that you're likely going to face in retirement. That's a great point, Nikki. And if it's not part of your financial plan right now, you've got to do something about that. It's uh, no fun thinking about or talking about, you no. know, but But, but you don't have a inevitable. plan if it's not part yeah. of it. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. So uh, let that, I won't even wait till the end of the show to do this. Again, if you have questions about this, if healthcare and covering for those expenses and the long-term care conversation that comes along with it is not part of your existing financial and retirement plan, got to reach out to Nikki and the team. 513-563-PLAN is the number, or you can go to moneyandclarity.com to get in touch that way as well. All right, one last one here for you, Nikki, on these five important retirement statistics worth understanding. 90% of people over 60 say a written retirement plan is important, but only 20% actually have one. Okay, I kind of made this stat up, but it <laughs> it underscores that there's a vast gap, kind of what we've been talking about on the show today, between wanting to prepare and actually being prepared for retirement. Anecdotally, am, am I close with that stat from uh, the people that you, you meet are. with? Okay, good. Oh, good. I mean, well, no, not even anecdotally. Uh, really, I've read, and again, it depends where you're reading, but only 25% of Americans have a written financial plan. So you're not far off. But okay, good. Good. Yeah, so you're close. You're close. I took some um, creative license with the uh, yeah. with, with the statistic, if there is such okay. a thing. But you you owned up to it, That's so right. we're all good. I'm I'm not quite financial <laughs> fake news. Just yeah, just a, just a little bit. <laughs> so I do think sometimes people avoid financial planning because they're scared. You know, they're they're afraid of the unknown, what they're going to find out, and I kind of equate it to me getting on a scale. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was just recently on a trip to Florida, a long trip, and um, I ate a lot and I had, um, you know, intentions of working out every day. And I did really good the first couple days. <laughs> the second day, I even ran five miles, believe it or not. Nice. But That's good. Yeah. 
But it, you know, it didn't last long. So I come home from the vacation and I walked by my scale for about two or three days. And truth be told, I just didn't want to know what it was going to say when I stepped on. And um, when I finally did, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. Now, you know, do was it where I wanted to be? Absolutely not. But it was empowering and gave me motivation to, you know, get back to the gym, drink a lot of water and start eating a little bit better to get where I was comfortable, weight comfortable for me. So my point here is that I think sometimes people are afraid of the unknown, meaning um, they have no idea if what they've done or what they're doing is enough. And what I find most of the time is when we actually sit down with those people, their situation isn't nearly as bad as they thought it might be. In fact, a lot of times they're right on track. Now, sometimes they're not on track and they have, you know, some tweaks to make and, and some changes to make. But again, I think it's somewhat empowering and motivational to at least know where you are, where you stand and get, give you a point of starting or reference about, you know, this is what I need to accomplish in order to get where I want to be. We've all heard it before, you know, knowledge is power, and especially when it comes to your financial well-being. So I would urge all of our listeners not to let fear of the unknown or fear of what their situation is, you know, stop them from starting to develop a financial plan. Again, I think it's going to be very empowering and impactful and helpful and, you know, help you sleep better at night. So again, do a financial plan, Walter. <laughs> Get that plan. Get that yes. plan. No doubt about it. And here's the great part. It's not really that hard. It just takes a little effort to pick up the phone and call, to inquire, and then it's just having conversations from there on out. Uh, Dan and Nikki and the great team at Money and Clarity will walk you through everything that you need to know and do from there. So you've got a hand to hold, if you will, throughout the entire process. The hardest part really is just taking that first piece of action. So if you haven't done that before, if you haven't gotten a financial plan in place and met with the team at Money and Clarity, uh, go ahead and do it now while you're thinking about it. Moneyandclarity.com, the place to go, or call 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. And we'll put contact info in the show notes section of today's show so it's easy for you to find as well. Nikki, uh, great first podcast of 2021. Many more to Thank look you. forward to this year. Yep. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds great, Walter. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Nikki. And thank you for tuning into the show. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been attained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Nikki Early is an investment advisor representative of Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a privacy policy statement, call 800-353-7920. 23.